scriptures say Elijah and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus, claiming to be the Christ, predicts his death and resurrection. Now let's turn over to Luke 24, Luke 24, and we'll see this prediction fulfilled, this scripture passage we read through in our sunrise service. As we get to this passage, we what has happened prior to this is that Jesus has been condemned by the Jerusalem council and he's been turned over to the Roman Gentile government who scourged him and then crucified him. The body of Jesus has been taken by Joseph of Arimathea, who was a dissenting member of this Jewish council and buried in his own tomb. The Jewish leadership asked for and was granted Roman soldiers to guard the tomb of Jesus so that his body won't be stolen. Then all Jews rest on the Sabbath. Dawn breaks. It is Sunday. It is the third day since Jesus died. Luke 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. Now, the they there is referring back to the women who want to anoint Jesus' body for his burial. They went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you? While you were still, while he was still in Galilee, that's just referring back to the passage we read in Luke 9, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Next, we see in this passage the puzzled reactions of the disciples. You can imagine a resurrection is kind of hard to grasp at this point. And so we see there in verses 10 and 11, just unbelief, unbelief it says, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale or nonsense, and they did not believe them. A man was raised from the dead. Do you believe that? They didn't. Then the next reaction we have is from Peter. He's he's interested enough to keep investigating. But remember, it's Peter who denied Jesus and ran away. But he's going to investigate and still be uncertain. Look at verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. And then thirdly, we see disappointed doubters. Disappointed doubters says in verses 13 through 24, the people on the road to Emmaus says that very day, that's the Sunday when Christ arose, 
Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with these talk? And they stood still looking sad. In other words, they stopped in their tracks. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. We're hearing a lot of tales, but nobody's laid eyes on this guy yet. To these disciples, Jesus was a man, a a man who was mighty in word and deed, a prophet even. And they got their hopes up that he was the redeemer of Israel. And they had this expectation of what the redeemer of Israel would look like. They were very much like the other disciples in that when Jesus told them, when when it was revealed that he was the Christ, he told them that he must suffer and die and be resurrected. And then they said, no, no, Jesus Maybe you don't know, but that's not how that's not how the Messiah is going to be. That's not how he's going to act. That's not how what he's going to do. And there in their eyes, there was no way Israel's redeemer would die. Some have reported the tomb is empty and even angels say that he's alive, but nobody's actually seen him. So we see three types of people who are puzzled at this early report, this early morning report of an empty tomb. These three types of people are with us today. Possibly all three types are in this room with us today. There are those of you who have heard the story of Jesus' resurrection and you think it's nonsense. People don't rise from the dead. And I would say to that, no, we don't. Not typically. So there must have been something special about this guy. There are those of you who have heard the stories of Jesus' resurrection And like Peter, you're still interested enough to keep investigating, but you're uncertain if it's true. Maybe you've been coming to church here for a time and and you've heard a lot about this gospel and about Jesus. And you're still interested, but not quite sure. Did a dead man rise? And if so, why? And then there's those of you who are like these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You've you've heard the story of Jesus' resurrection. Perhaps you've tried following him for a time, uh, maybe went to church for a while. But life didn't turn out like you expected when you were following Jesus. You perhaps thought it was all rainbows and lollipops for Christians. And it, he disappointed you in some way. He didn't act the way you thought he would act in your life. And so you kind of walked away disappointed and doubting, doubting that there's anything to this story at all of a man who was resurrected. 
there was need for more proof for all these folks in their day. And we come upon verse 25. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Let me interpret to you that from a man's perspective. I knew it. I knew there was. I thought that might have been Jesus. I was just afraid to say it. So now in excitement, verse 33, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. So by now, Peter, which we don't have recorded where the Lord... Uh, appeared to him, but he has appeared to Peter at some point. He's also appeared to the women at the tomb. And then the two disciples who have returned from Emmaus have seen Jesus. And they're telling the other disciples these things. But what did they see? Was it an apparition? Was it a ghost? Next, we see that more proof is provided for all the disciples. In verse 36, it says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Shalom Aleichem, common greeting. But they were startled and frightened. The doors were locked after all. And they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Now, I, I kind of feel like if we if we go into this story a little bit, he's, he's telling them to touch his hands and feet. Right? Touch me and see if I'm. Not a ghost. And like nobody wants to. Right. Like you, you can kind of see some of the other disciples in the back kind of putting their hands in the back and pushing on the other. But nobody wants to touch him. They're afraid. And so finally, Jesus says, well, do you have anything to eat? And so they, they this somebody reaches down to the table and pushes this broiled fish over. And he took it and he ate before them. And then he said to them. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then key verse, verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Proof is provided here and Jesus is resurrected and he is not just a spirit apparition and he's not just a uh, some people who are in grief 
will sometimes have uh, visions of, of people who have passed away and that type of thing. And, and God, knowing that these things happen, I, I think he brought a bunch of people into a room because it never happens with a large group. But then also there's just these proofs that Jesus is physically alive from the dead. He has manifested himself to them audibly in verse 36. He has spoken. He manifested himself visually in verses 39 and 40. The disciples looked upon Jesus, but they simply could not believe their eyes. They thought they saw a ghost. And then Jesus manifested himself physically. Since they would not touch him, he eats food. He takes something physical and places it in him and eats it. A man claiming to be God in the flesh and who predicted his death and resurrection was raised from the dead. Can you believe it? Finally, after all these manifestations, Jesus supernaturally enlightens the disciples and gives them a commission. Verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And here's the commission that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus enlightened the disciples and gave them a commission What are they to proclaim that through repentance from their sin and faith in the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, they can receive the forgiveness of sins? And they're to take that message to the world because everybody in the world is a sinner who needs to be reconciled to God Almighty so that they will not face eternity in hell. And the message, the good news is that if they will repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will find forgiveness in Jesus' name. So for those of you who have heard the story of Jesus' resurrection and think it's nonsense, perhaps today the gospel, or excuse me, perhaps today God has opened your mind to understand your need to repent of your sin and to believe the gospel Because a man did rise from the dead. What do you do with that? For those of you who have heard the story of Jesus' resurrection, and you've been interested enough to keep investigating, and you keep coming to church, but you're just not sure it's true, what are you waiting for? Perhaps today is the day that you make the decision to repent of your sin and follow the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. For those of you who have heard the story of Jesus' resurrection, maybe you tried following him for a time, but it wasn't what you expected and you were disappointed and you walked away disappointed and doubting that there's anything to the story at all. Perhaps you understand today that God doesn't change for you. God changes you to be like him. Maybe today is the day you repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Follow Jesus with your life and trust the results to him. Easter represents for us good news. Our king lives. His people represent God's nation here on earth. Oh, won't you believe today?
May God open your mind to understand the truth about who Jesus is and what he did in his death and resurrection. Next, we see the metamorphosis of the disciples. When the disciples' minds were open, they were just never the same. Today is a day that Christians celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. It is the greatest day on the Christian calendar, a day that reminds the Christian of our hope that we, too, like Jesus, will someday rise from the grave to live eternally in the presence of the Lord. But how did this event that happened in Jerusalem have such an impact on the world? After all, there were no newspapers, no 24-hour news channels, no mobile phones, no text messaging and gasp. Internet. What could happen that would allow the news of the death of a rabbi in Jerusalem on a cross to travel rapidly and become a worldwide religion? A man was raised from the dead. Look again. I want to focus on verse 48. Let's go ahead and read verses 48 through 53 and we'll come back to. 48 says, you are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them like God blessed Adam and Eve. He blessed his people. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. They were locked away in a room. Now they're in the temple blessing God. But look at verse 48. Jesus told the disciples, you are witnesses of these things. Now, as Baptists, sometimes we say that we are witnessing to a person or we talk about the opportunity to witness to someone. And by that, we mean that we are sharing the gospel with them. But that is not what we're looking at here in Luke 24, 48. I believe this verse is referring to these disciples as eyewitnesses. You said, what do you mean, Pastor? Okay, well, here's here's the difference between me and those disciples on that day in that room. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead for my sins by faith. I did not personally see the empty tomb. I did not see him in his risen body. I did not touch his wounds. I didn't see him eat fish. I did not hear him speak. But I believe the testimony of the scriptures when they speak about the resurrection of Jesus for my sins. Again, I believe this by faith. But I submit to you today that these disciples in our passage today did not believe Jesus rose from the dead by faith. They knew that Jesus rose from the dead as a fact. They saw the resurrected Savior with their own eyes and it transformed them. They changed. They were no longer weeping at the tomb. They were no longer marveling and pondering at what this meant. They were no longer walking away disappointed and no longer locked in a room distressed. Instead, they were overjoyed and worshiping. No longer were they hiding behind locked doors, but were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They 
had seen the risen Savior. Now, interestingly, Jesus tells the disciples they will be clothed with power from on high. And he talks about the promise that he's going to send them. Now, if we just spoiler alert, talk about the Feast of Pentecost, when God sends the Holy Spirit down, that's what he's talking about here. He's stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he's going to tell them to go to the nations. Okay, so he's got the promise that he's going to get from the father of the spirit for every believer. And he's going to send that on Pentecost. But he he says they need to wait until they're clothed upon. It's an interesting phrase, clothed with power from on high, clothed with the spirit. There's only three places in the Old Testament where the language of clothed with the spirit is used. In 1 Chronicles 12:18, it is used of Amasai, the chief of the 30 mighty men. When he declared allegiance to David, God's anointed but yet to be crowned king. It is used of Gideon in Judges 6:34 when Gideon is clothed by the spirit and he calls God's people to gather to wage war against the enemies of God. And then it is used in 2 Chronicles 24:20. When Zechariah, the priest, calls the people to repent of forsaking their God and it cost him his life. In the same way, the Spirit of God clothes believers to declare allegiance to Jesus, God's anointed king. We are clothed to call people out of the nations to enter spiritual warfare for God's king and God's nation because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood like Russia and Ukraine are engaged in now, we wrestle with principalities and powers in the heavenly places for God's people. And we are clothed by the Spirit to call unrepentant sinners to forsake their sinful ways and return to God, even if it costs our lives. In fact, it's important to note that Many of the disciples who were eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection were killed for their beliefs. Now, if I die for my faith, if I die for my belief in Jesus as my Savior, it's by faith. You would say, David had great faith. If somebody stuck a gun to my head and they said, renounce Jesus Christ or die. And I said, I'll never renounce him. And they shot me. You would say, I had great faith. But the disciples back then, they knew whether it was a made up story or not. In other words, if if they just made this thing up about Jesus raising from the dead, charlatans don't maintain the lie when it costs their life. I will by faith, but they're not operating on faith. Does that make sense? They know whether they actually saw Jesus or not. And since they did, when they were confronted With renouncing their Savior, they chose death. For the disciples to die for their beliefs was a testimony to the truthfulness of their beliefs. If the resurrection were false, then we would expect the disciples to renounce the lie so that they could live. They knew for a fact that they had seen the risen Savior and it transformed them and it impacted the world. Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. He predicted his death and resurrection and he was raised from the dead. Do you believe that? If so, won't you repent of your sin and follow Jesus today?
the only way to have your sins forgiven and be brought into peace with God is through repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, following Jesus is urgent. We do not know how much time we have on this earth. And if you've never repented of your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior, then it's an urgent thing. But I will also say this, following Jesus is costly. It's costly. People will mock you. People who think the resurrection is nonsense will mock you. People who think that what they're doing isn't sinful, but yet it is, they'll mock you. They'll persecute you. Perhaps even kill you. It may cost you family members. It may cost you friends. It may cost you loved ones. So count the cost. But I would finish with this. Following Jesus is worth it. Following Jesus is worth it. The reward is eternal life in God's presence. Folks, at the end of this, we get Jesus. Heaven's going to be filled with a lot of nice things and a lot of great people that I miss. But heaven is about Jesus. He's the one who took our sins upon himself, who was beaten with stripes upon his back for our sin, who was taken for our blasphemy and turned over to the Roman government, who then took him and killed him for treason, which I'm the treacherous one who's rebelled against God. And, and he, was, he was hung up with criminals. That's where I should have been. But he stood in our place. Oh, beloved, the disciples, they saw the resurrected Jesus. I haven't got to see him yet. I can't wait. When this life is over, we get Jesus. Now, Christian, some of you here today may have experienced a time of your faith wavering. Maybe you, like Peter, have denied knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, maybe not in your words so much as what Peter did, but maybe by your actions. I encourage you today. Proverbs 28:13 says this, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And then this verse in 1 John 1, 9, I, I love it. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Easter morning would be a great morning to repent of those sins and ask God to forgive you and be cleansed because there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, the hymn tells us, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. (laughs) You will find mercy. Jesus is worthy. Today we've seen how a mess of jumbled followers became transformed into the founders of Christianity. And the one event that was central to their transformation was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We can be certain of our faith because of the testimony of the eyewitnesses and the proof of the scriptures. The resurrection transformed the disciples into fearless followers. What about you? Has your life been transformed by the Savior? Are you different now than you were before you knew of Christ? Are you rejoicing and worshiping the Lord? Are you telling others about His saving grace? You see, we have a sure message 
that if a person will repent of their sins and trust the Savior's payment for their sins, they will be saved. So tell your family, tell your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers about the resurrected Savior who claimed to be God in the flesh, predicted his death and resurrection and was raised from the dead. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. For the plan that you had to send him to save your people from their sins. Oh, Father, this morning, there are some here who have never trusted you as their Savior. They've never repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ. Open their eyes, Father, please, to the gospel. That they may know that through repentance and faith, they can find forgiveness of their sins. And I pray that today they will make that decision and come and be baptized. Father, others of us here who have possibly had times where we've doubted the resurrection. Father, forgive us. Strengthen our faith. Help us to walk in the forgiveness that you have given. To walk in the light as he is in the light. And have fellowship with one another here. Help us, Father, as members here at Faith Baptist Church to love one another and encourage one another to be faithful, to be holy in our lives. Not, not for our salvation, but because You are worthy. Father, today it was our desire to make much of Jesus. I pray that You will now work in hearts and lives and Transform us, as you did these first disciples, into followers who will magnify the name of Jesus with their lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.